The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, Dr. Ray. I love your show. Let me show you what it looks like to be a holy person, and maybe you'll want to be holy like me. You just patted yourself on the back. You seem like an honest guy. But you're a psychologist. Do you have some advice? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're my second favorite Italian person. I think you have a way of making people feel relaxed. She needs to feel the consequences of being a jerk. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. Obviously, I'm a failure. Obviously, I'm inept. You are awesome. Keep up the good fight, my friend. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Well... I'll tell you, it's great to be here, as it always is. What a privilege to do this show. As I said, my dream job when I was in college, they said, what do you want to be? I want to have a job where they say, do you actually get paid for doing that? Yeah, I do get paid for doing this, for talking to you. Not that you're any less valuable because I get paid for talking to you. Years and years and years ago, I had a client who uh, was very happy because I listened. I listened to her, and she thought that was just wonderful. And my wife said, do your clients know that you're paid to listen to them? <laughs> don't, don't take the glean out of it, honey. The number to get onto the program, 877-573-7825. Eight seven seven fifty seven equal is the number to call. Very simple. Ten digits on your way to personal well adjustment. Now, I can't do therapy here, and I'm not going to diagnose you, and I'm not going to step on any therapist's turf. But we can put our heads together. If we're dealing with a kid, we may not be smarter than the kid because uh, they don't play by any rules sometimes, which makes them seem smarter. But we, you pretty much control everything so that's a big factor you got the leverage there again the number 877-573-7825 questions about the stuff of life circumstances people situations obviously we can't solve the problem here but here's what we want to do give you a suggestion idea some kind of nugget that'll send a ripple effect through the way you handle something and then with the ripple effect things get better you could also call it a cascade effect 877-57-EQUAL is the number. There was a series on TV, the very, very earliest days of television. Some of you might remember it. And if you do, you are showing your age. I personally have read about it. Of course, Teresa Tomio told me all about it because she used to watch it when she was in her 20s. Okay, let me digress. Teresa is a dear friend of mine, and she is younger than I am. But I have a lot of fun teasing her about her age. And I did have a lady come up to me at a talk. And she said, I warned you. She was dead serious. I warned you, do not make fun of Teresa's Tavio's age. Now, she had done this. She had come to a, an earlier talk in the same city. She sought me out in the second talk, and she said, I will no longer listen to you anymore unless you stop. And I thought to myself, you know, I got 124 listeners. 123 
is not that big a difference. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd notice it, but that's what she said. And I told T. And T laughed. She just laughed. She got the biggest kick out of that. So, back to the series. This series was in nineteen in the 1950s. The prime era of big-time black-and-white TV with what? When you had a 16-inch screen, you thought, wow, living large. Those of you remember, huh? Dragnet. Remember this the tune of Dragnet? One of the things they did on Dragnet, I think, was uh, anticipatory of what we would hope to happen in psychotherapy. If you've ever seen any portrayals of somebody doing therapy on TV, not for the TV, but a, a TV show or a TV movie, the therapists are always supposed to be able to say something brilliant that just captures it all and in one sentence alters a life. Well, Joe Friday was very good at doing that. I think Joe was that, uh, that was the main character, right? Joe Friday. Tom Price, my boss, knows that. If he's listening, he listens maybe to four minutes a, a week, but if you just happen to catch this, he'll text me and he'll say, Joe Friday was the name of the, uh, the, uh, the guy that played uh, MASH. The, the colonel on MASH. Anyway, so given that, Joe Friday would always say things in the series, one-line grabbers. For example, if they were arresting someone on a marijuana charge, Joe might say, that's why they call it dope. And then the perp would have this look of, Insight and revelation on his face like, I never thought of that. I never looked at it that way. Whoa. And see, therapists try to do that. We, we try to say something that, that seems really insightful. It sounds like you're acting out of insecurity. That's a projective statement. Do you hear the words you're using? It's like, whoa, wow. We do that kind of stuff. And I, I got about eight or ten of those that I use, you know, every so often. But I noticed that, and I always was fascinated by that, this idea that somebody can throw down a one-liner that rattles somebody or makes them look at themselves or is revelatory and they think, wow. I never probed my psyche at that depth. That's why they call it dope. So, or or he might say something like, same crime, different day. Something like that. And I remember, you have to, you have to express that in a very deadpan way. You can't say it with any enthusiasm. Same crime, different person. So I will do my very best here on this program to find some good one-liner that you we can use you for a bumper in the future where you say, whoa, that says it all. Of the past 32 years that I've had trouble with my mother-in-law, that one eight-word sentence, Dr. Ray, that you said 
summarizes it all, and at the same time gives me foolproof direction for completely solving the struggles in the relationship. Now, that's my goal. So far, after some 20 years of doing this program, I haven't gotten one of those yet, but I'm still working on it. So if you want to call in, take a chance that you might hear one. Who knows? I could any moment. 877-573-7825, 877-57-EQUAL. That is the number. I would definitely like to hear from you here on The Doctor Is In. A question or comment or a helpful suggestion for anybody in living life better. He was a doctor of the church and one of the most famous saints of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Augustine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, but he balanced his genius with humility. Once declared it was pride that changed angels into devils, it is humility that makes men as angels. He died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. The Church has a very high view of conscience. It's, I think it was St. John Henry Newman who called conscience the aboriginal vicar of Christ. The Catechism reads this way on conscience. The interior voice of a human being within whose heart the inner law of God is inscribed. Moral conscience is a judgment of practical reason about the moral quality of a human action. It moves a person at the appropriate moment to do good and to avoid evil. It offers some suggestions, uh, the Ten Commandments, the moral teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, the moral teachings of St. Paul. All of these things are used as a measure of how well we're doing. It is then up to the Catholic to take a look at the teaching of the Church and to see if, in fact, they are in proper communion. The idea that you can dispense with the objective moral teachings of the Church in favor of personalized conscience is lawless and anarchic. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Thank you very much for joining me here on The Doctor Is In with my compadres, Andrew Kruchek, the producer man, board operator. I wish he wasn't so bored. And Eric Dumont, our call screamer. So if you would like to get onto the program with a question or a comment or a helpful suggestion for someone or even for yourself or for me, I'll take those. 877-57-EQUAL is the number. 877-57-EQUAL. Where is the most dangerous place to be? Is it a war? Is it first responder, police officer, fireman? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Fire person. Fire people. 
fire human, and that's got man in it. I mean, you can't even, you can't even use syllables that are not linguistically sensitive. You know the most dangerous place to be, believe it or not? This is sad. No occupation, no real circumstances like like war has this level of fatality. Not even close, not even close. A mother's womb. Think about it that way. You got about 25 to 30 percent chance of not surviving a mother's womb because mother chose, chose, there's that word, chose, to, in fact, end your existence. Ah. Now, this is not to, there, there are many, there are many, many women out there who don't understand what it's about. There are many who are pressured into it. That's true. That there's a lot of that, and that's why Lord is merciful in all this. But just just objectively speaking, that in fact, in a mother's womb, percentage-wise, surviving is by far the um, lowest. All right, let's go to Susan from uh, Pennsylvania. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hey, Dr. A, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I I don't know how to respond to my grandson. My daughter and her family have left the Catholic Church, and he they now go to a little independent Protestant church, and he has it in his head, as I've been talking to him, that about the Blessed Mother, he said, well, that's wrong. And I said, well, what about these miracles? So I told him about Fatima and Lourdes, and then I also told him about Eucharistic uh, miracles and stuff. And um, he said, well, that's all from demons. That's not from God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? How old, how old is he, Susan? He's 14. Okay. So did you ask him, why do you think those are from demons? Did you ask him that? Yeah, I did. And his response was, well, you're, you're trying to pray to a dead woman. And I said, it's not just any old dead woman. I said, and besides, she's not dead. And I, and I said, you explain to me um, how is it that all these things have happened in these different locations and, and also the testing that has happened on the Eucharist, you know, to, to prove that it truly is the body and blood of Christ. And... He just says, well, that's just all fabricated from demons. That's not from God. All right. Well, let's ask him a couple of questions, okay? You you don't go at him head on because he'll just look at you and say, you're wrong. That's what will happen. Yeah. <laughs> he has no facts and he has no understanding. And he has no knowledge. He just has an opinion. And in his mind, his opinion is just as good as yours because he's smarter. Okay. So let's uh, let's take him at his smart word. Ask him a couple of things. Ask him one: Are you are you familiar with what Jesus said to the religious leaders when they accused him of doing miracles by the power of demons? And he won't he won't know that. Okay, but you ask him that. He says no. Uh-huh. Well, well, Jesus said, "How can I?" do good if I'm doing it, now I'm paraphrasing, if I'm doing it by the power of right. demons. 
Demons don't do good. All right. So then you ask him, mm-hmm. some of these apparitions, uh, d- do you know the kinds of things they advised? He doesn't know. Say, well, I'll just tell you what they advised. They, they advised to pray. They advised to live holy. Uh, they advised to worship God. They advised all kinds of things that you believe in, son. Now, uh-huh. would demons do that? Just ask him. And yeah. if he says, well, they could. That's they could good. do it. They could do it just to fool you. So right. tell, let, me, let <laughs> right. me see if let me see if I understand what you're saying, son. So a demon would want to fool you into worshiping God. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. uh, I don't know, but it, they're just from demons. I would also give him a challenge. I'd say, I tell you what. Now you're going you're gonna to get in trouble with his parents. So watch yourself here, because his parents are probably going to jump all over. You got to watch yourself. You might say. Are you even willing to read about one Eucharistic miracle? Are you willing to read about it? And then I'll tell you what, you tell me where it's false. I, I, really, I don't want to believe in anything that's false. So please help me. I'm going to give you the information on the Buenos Aires Eucharistic miracle of 1996. That's really recent. So you can't argue, oh, that was seven centuries ago. You know, all kinds of stuff happens. In se- no, no, no. It's 1996. Okay. Our present pope mm-hmm. was the archbishop there. Given that, would, would you be willing to look at it and please help me? I don't want to believe in something that's false. Would you read it and then tell me how I'm wrong? I, I would love that. Okay. Yeah, because their, their little church doesn't have communion of any kind. You know, I know some do, but their little church doesn't. And, yeah. you know, he got in in his head that if it's not in the Bible, then it's not true. And I said, well, so you're... What you're saying then is God can't do anything extra. If it's mm-hmm. if he didn't do it in the Bible, then that means he can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're going to put restrictions and limits on God. And he goes, well, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. So what you got to do is you can't challenge him. You got to get him to explain why he thinks the way he does. And what you'll find is he'll get very frustrated. He'll get very frustrated. Yeah. All righty. Thanks, Susan. Demon, just remember right. the demon. Thank demons you. don't tell you to do all those good things. Right, right. There you go. Thank you, honey. Thank you. All right. Now, we have a rule in this program that if you disagree with me or you don't like something that I did and you call, we put you straight to the front. Well, we have a caller who is not on the air, um, but he or she, I don't, I don't know the sex of the caller, uh, didn't like what I did. Now, I'm going to read. I'm going to read you what the caller said here. You made a crack about showing your age in your intro. Oh, yeah. I was saying, if you remember, absolutely I did. If you remember Dragnet, you're showing your age. Dragnet was in the 50s. All right? Showing your age. She said, he said, I didn't like it. Jokes about ageism are just as bad as racism and sexism. I don't know how that's ageism. Ageism is basically following a certain philosophy that says because of age you are this because of age you can't do this because of age in some way you are inferior we are clumping everybody in a certain age group as having certain qualities and these are usually negative qualities that's ageism it isn't ageism to say hey 
You remember that? How old are you? That's not ageism. That's just basically saying you're that old. Now, interestingly enough about this, you could say, while you're showing your age, be grateful. Because if, in fact, you remember Dragnet, that means you're in your 60s or 70s, maybe 80s, be grateful. You've lived to that age. Do you know how many people in human history would have loved to live to 70? It would have been an incredible blessing from God. So it isn't anything that we're ashamed of that you say, I'm 65. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to be grateful for. And besides, if you say you're showing your age, well, 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 don't the wrinkles on your face and neck show your age? Don't the fact that you have to wear glasses to read show your age? Doesn't your hair color show your age? All kinds of stuff shows your age. I don't know how that could at all be equated to showing your age. The caller goes on to say, I like your show, but I don't like how you make fun of old people. You know, I got to tell you. I have never made fun. I'm an old person. I've never made fun of old people. I made jokes about getting older, of course. Absolutely. I will do that. I will continue to do that. You know why? Because you got to laugh and you got to be easy going in this world. And we've become so prickly about so many things. I don't like that you said this. I don't like that you said that. I don't like that you think this. I don't like that you think that. You know, the irony is here, I saw a survey. Do you know the number one prejudice? It's not age. It is not age. It is not sex. It is not skin color. It is not sexual orientation. The number one ism in this country by far cuts across All age groups, cuts across all socioeconomic classes, cuts across everything. You know what it is? Anti-Catholicism. That is the number one survey says prejudice in this country. Can you imagine, though, if you're like a 70-year-old Catholic? Oh, man, now you're really getting creamed. I do love when somebody calls in and says, I don't like what you said. I don't like what you did because that's that's fair. And I got to think to myself, did I do that? Did I make fun? Now, in that person's mind, I did understand that. And I don't know if explaining it makes any difference because sometimes people hear what they want to hear and that's what they're going to say. But maybe if you, I put it in context, a person can say, well, okay, I... I I see his perspective on that. Now, this is an interesting question. I don't, Betty, I'm not really sure I understand what you're asking. Hi, Betty. Hey, Betty. Uh, hi. Hello. Hello there. So I wanted to make a comment and then a question that the, I know that this world is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. I think we can all agree to that at the end times. My question is, uh, he's, God is not telling, not even, he's coming like a thief of the night, not even Jesus knows. And he, he's the one coming, but he doesn't even know when he's coming, right? But he gives us the sign. So my question is, there's seven trumpets. Uh, what trumpet are we in? Because when people say we're the fifth or but I never heard a trumpet. I mean, it's supposed to be the world's 
it stops and they hear it. <laughs> and the signs are, you know, the wars and rumors of war, all that is, yes, I see it and I'm hearing and I'm reading it about it and all of that. And I'm feeling it and I'm, I'm victim of it and all of this. But what trumpet, like we, we, we are to know the signs so that we can prepare? No, he's going to come like a thief in the night and we're not going to be prepared in that kind of sense. But as it goes along, we can get closer to, even until our last breath, we have to prepare. I got that. What trumpet are we on, though? I mean, okay. it's just really... Well, Betty, you brought up a, a bunch of wonderful things. Please stay there. Don't go away. Don't leave me, Betty. Uh, when we come back from the break, I will do at least a marginal job of trying to address your question. 877-573-7825. Good stuff today. Thank you, people. You make the show. There is genuine consolation from the Catholic Catechism regarding the death of a loved one. The Christian who dies in Christ Jesus, we are told, is away from the body and at home with the Lord. Death marks the end of a Christian's sacramental life, but the fulfillment of his new birth, which began at baptism, now has a definitive conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. The Christian funeral does not give the deceased a sacrament or sacramentals because he or she has passed beyond the sacramental economy. The different funeral rites express the paschal character of Christian death. The greatest consolation to the Christian is the knowledge that even in death, we are separated only temporarily, that one day, if we have lived well, we will all be together again in Christ. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. He always starts with the good things. You know, the seven letters to the churches and the book of Revelation is a great way to write letters to other people, by the way, or to have conversations with other people. You start with what's going well. You do this, this, and this really well. I love it. Thank you. Here's what you're lacking. And I think for many of us as men, what the Lord's communicating at that second part of the letter or the second part of the conversation is, here's what we're lacking. You don't ever spend enough time with me. You have no idea what I'm trying to offer you in the gift of my friendship. Or if you do, you don't make time for it. And if you would but come to me, I would change your life like that. But you don't come. Not with the regularity that I want you to come. Not with the ardor and the fervor and the passion that I want you to come. I have a hunch, like more than a hunch, that's what he says to me. And I got a hunch that's what he would say to many of us. You know, I'm just finishing up a Snickers bar. And yesterday we played trivia. And one of the questions was this. Put in order from the least calories, and they gave you a certain amount, to the most. And the four choices were a um, Slim Jim. It was also, I believe, a, if I remember correctly, um, che Cheetos chips or something. The third one was a Snickers bar, and then the other one was a Twinkie, and you had to put them in order. And I knew, because I'm eating a Snickers right now. 250 calories on a Snickers bar. It was number three, by the way. Twinkies was the highest. Slim Jim was the lowest. Okay, talking to Betty. Betty's still there? 
I am so glad you gave me a, gave a break because I want you to really think about this. This is, this is life or death. And this is, we are at this time. And um, maybe it's just an analogy of, of a Trump and not an actual Trump. A Trump because a lot of times the Bible is so hard to understand because it does, it's not word for, it's not black and white. It's, it's, you got to interpret it. So for you to give me a break, you know, to go for a break, that's great. It was a good sign. So now hopefully you got the right answer. Yeah, I don't know if I got that great answer, Betty. I went from probably a a weak answer to a marginal one. I mean, you'll have to accept that that uh, that leap. Okay, you said something right at the beginning. You said we are worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember saying that? Oh, of course. I'm okay. living. Up. I see it every day. It depresses me. But okay. at the same time, you're it, watching it, too it, much it, news. That's first thing. You're watching too much news. Secondly, Betty, if you if you know or read anything about world history, the world has always been a very ugly place. You don't have to go back more than oh, 80 years to Mao Zedong who killed approximately 50 million people or the Ukrainian famines who killed 20 million. So World War 2 who was not all that long ago, was approximately 100 million casualties. So the evil and the ugliness of our world, actually right now, believe it or not, even though the U.S. has experienced a fair amount of moral freefall, in terms of ugliness, it's probably less. In most of human history, you, you just conquered a nation. Alexander the Great died when he was 32. They called him Alexander the Great. They say he was responsible for millions of deaths in conquering. So the world's always been a very, very, very immoral kind of place. And in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, remember the negotiation with, with God? If you can find 10 righteous people, okay, I'll save, you'll save, please save the cities. Well, we have a lot more than 10 righteous people now. Uh, in terms of Christianity, it is sprinkled throughout the world, and in some places it's pretty heavy. Nigeria, 95% of all Catholics in Nigeria go to Mass. So the first thing you got to say is don't get depressed over all this. And the other thing is you watch the news, and it makes it, fall, makes it sound like everything is falling apart. Oh, awful, terrible, horrible. There's no way to solve all these problems. because, But in fact, Betty, we're living longer. We're living more comfortable. Right now in America, we're not persecuted for our religion. Ah, yeah, we get a lot of grief because of the culture is kind of godless, but we're not necessarily persecuted. So in that sense, be hopeful. Now, the trumpets. I think, you, I, you, I don't know about the seven trumpets. I have to plead ignorance. We need something like somebody like Colin Donovan or Jimmy Aiken or one of our great apologists to come in here and explain that. I know... St. Paul talks about, with a trumpet blast, the Lord will return. All right? Meaning it's going to be obvious. You're absolutely right, Betty. Uh, the fact that the trumpets, they, they not literal trumpets. All right, so, so a timeline. Well, trump, trumpet number three, we're going to be doing this. And trumpet number four, the world will be in this shape. And trumpet number five, this is what's going to happen. No, it's not like that. You, you asked a great question. The Lord says, prepare but you don't know, right? How can you prepare when you don't know, correct? Right, correct. Here's how I'll explain that. You prepare because you don't know. If I don't know when something is going to happen, 
and like you say, it's it's worldwide, life and death, then I should always be prepared that it could happen at any time. That's what he's saying. There is a deafening silence here, my dear. Okay, hold on a second. But he, but he also says he gives us signs, and we have to we have well, to sure. read the signs. signs. Read the signs of the times. That's true. That's true. Do you know in in the year seventy A.D. when the Romans finally crushed Jerusalem, they estimate that a million to two million Jewish folks were killed. They estimate that the blood ran in the streets so heavily that it was almost like rivers. Now, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's really, really bad. Uh, here it is in the book of Revelation, which you're referring to. In the book of Revelation, seven trumpets are sounded, one at a time, to cue the apocalyptic, the end-time events seen by John, who was on the island of Patmos, in his vision. He had a vision. The seven trumpets are sounded by seven angels, and the events that follow them are described in detail from Revelation chapters 8 to 11. Okay? Revelation is a very, very symbolic part of Scripture. Very. And people have wrestled with it, debated with it, uh, ever since it was written. I think John was saying, at least this is what the church would probably teach through the theologians and history, is that John was saying things are going to happen toward the end. Lord will The Lord will win. These things are going to happen. But for us to look and say, okay, that's one of them. All right, there it is. That's one of them. Certain folks of a fundamentalist bent have tried to interpret these scripture passages and write about them and they say this is what they mean 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 they've always been proven wrong especially if they predict they've always been proven wrong because you can't know right if john were here i'd love to say saint john tell me what tell me what you were thinking when you were inspired to write this please but probably the best message here betty is always be ready and the lord wins that's about as much as you can summarize it. Good stuff, though, my dear. And please, don't be depressed about all this. The Lord says, I have come to bring you peace. He wants you to have that, dear. He doesn't want the news to overwhelm you and make you feel like we're all just sitting on this rot-gut piece of earth that uh, the Lord should pull the plug on. Pardon, pardon the mixed metaphor. You're silent, Betty. I, really, I thank you for everything. Okay. You're welcome, my dear. Thank you. Take care. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm almost getting more trouble for saying my dear than I get in trouble for making, you know, jokes. I, I'm an old guy. You know what's neat about being old? I, some of the things about there's there's advantage to being old. For example, I can do my nails with a pocket knife. I don't have to pay $70 to get my nails done. I know stuff about tanks. I'm going to that uh, marriage cruise. Wonderful thing. Seven days. One suitcase. That's it. And I don't need to ask my wife to open up our jars.
A Call from God. Father Mitch Pacwa shares his experience. I certainly had a bit of opposition. My father wasn't pleased with this at all, and he kept arguing with me. Once when I was 12, he said to me, what do you want to be a priest for? Why don't you be a doctor? You don't have to be a priest to help people. You can be a doctor and get married, have kids. And I said to him then, Dad, if I was a doctor and I help people get better, that would be very good. But later on, they're going to die anyway. So if I'm a priest and I hear somebody's confession and they go to heaven, that lasts forever. So that's better. And he didn't know what to say. And he continued to oppose the idea over the next years. Yet that didn't stop me. And uh, even when he said, I'm going to disinherit you if you become a priest. And on the day of my first mass, he did. But as I also said to him then, he told me, okay, you're out of my will. I said, Dad, I can't keep it anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm a Jesuit and we can't keep the money. So it really doesn't affect me. The issue is I'm trying to follow what God our Lord is asking of me. And this has been where I have found the greatest joy, that doing what I believe through my own prayer and through reflection and thinking about it and moving from a little boy's idea of what a priest would be like all the way to now in my early 50s, you know, realizing that this is exactly what I think is going to please God the most. And that's what I want to do, to please God. For information on the priesthood or religious life, log on to www.ewtn.com slash religious life. You know what I noticed too about getting to be an older guy? One wallet, one pair of shoes, one color, all seasons. That's right. If a friend of mine shows up at a party in the same outfit, we become lifelong friends. You know what else I do because I'm older? I sing along with elevator music. Yeah, for sure. Val is commenting. Val relates to me. Hi, Val. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm doing okay, dear yourself. Fine, but you know what? I'm an older gal than you, and it still takes me a lot longer to get ready. <laughs> Val, you remember hey, Dr. Ray. You, you remember Joe Friday? Oh, listen, just the facts, ma'am. That's right, just the facts. Very good. I'd forgotten now, that one. I remember because because well, I'm I was. Well, I'm 82 now, but I was. A little, I remember watching it because we were, we were one of the ones that had that TV with the bubble on it, <laughs> and the TV antennas above the TV. And, and you anyway, had to go, you had to I go stand there and hold it so your dad could see a clearer picture. Yeah, we didn't have remote. I had to change the channel. You, you were the remote, me. Val. I was the remote. You're right. You got it right. But anyway, I remember, and this was hilarious. Because every time Jack Webb, who played Joe Friday, he's a uh, I'm Joe, and he had a sidekick. And I, I think remember the he, sidekick, he was, was the guy that played Colonel Potter in Mash. But I, Harry right, Mor Harry right. Morgan Harry Morgan Harry Morgan Harry Morgan. But anyway, his sidekick 
on that program on Dragnet, I believe, was Sam. And I said to my parents, I said, well, is he Sam Saturday? <laughs> oh, weren't you clever, Val? <laughs> well, I always have, I have, I have a good sense of humor. I'll tell, I drive people. I think I could be your alter ego. I'm just, I'm just like you. Every time I listen to your program, I said, you know, I would have said that. Where's people in their common sense these days? Dr. Ray's so right on. Anybody could figure that out. Yeah, Val, you think I'm right on because you agree with me. Nobody thinks I'm right on if they disagree with me. Do you ever notice that? So when people say, I think yeah. you're right on, what they're really saying is, I think I'm right on. That's what they're saying. Yeah, but, you know, you're right on because basically um, you're, you're like Joe Friday. You've got, you've got the facts. And uh, a lot of times when people call in, maybe they're, I, I hate to use the word, maybe they're just ignorant to the facts. Or I just, some of these callers, I think a lot of people just lack common sense nowadays. Well, you know what? It's not so much common sense, Val. It is, they're in a situation. When you know you, you know, the old phrase, you can't see the forest for the trees. I mean, you're smack in the middle of an emotional situation. It's, it's sometimes very tough to think your way through it. It is. So for me, when, when they call in, it's not an emotional situation for me. So, and plus the fact that I've been being a shrink for all these years, I've heard it many, many times. I have some idea of what might be going on and maybe give them a thought or two that they can say, you know, but here's the thing, Val. Somebody said to me once, when you give advice to somebody or you offer an insight, you want them to smack their forehead and say, ah, yeah, I knew that. Because it'll stick with them. If it is so foreign to their view of things, it is so foreign to their experience and their sense of reality, it's going to have a hard time getting through. I agree. agree. What I would really like you to do, here's what I'd like you to do, Val. If I ever say something that you don't agree with or you think is dumb, and you think, well, you know, I never looked at it that way, but I think he's right. That's when I know <laughs> you'll appreciate me. <laughs> Thank you, dear, for the call. Thanks for, for a little you trek a, down memory have lane. A blessed, have a blessed day, and thank you for taking me down memory lane. You're welcome, dear. Thank you. Bye. Oh, I'm going to get so much trouble. Don't say dear. That's so demeaning. Oh, please. Because I've gotten emails in that. Don't do that. What do you mean, don't do it? I'm not allowed to do it? <sighs> okay, never mind. Okay, my old that old man is throwing, showing through. Uh, Chuck is calling from Shippenville. I never heard of the, fo- the place. Shippenville, PA. Hi, Chuck. Not Shippensburg, Shippenville. I know, Near Shippenville. Clarion, Pennsylvania. Okay, I know where Clarion is. Gotcha. So, Dr. Yes, a, first-time caller, thank you for taking my call. Um... I have a um, co-worker who I've known for over 30 years who helped me when I was uh, in my uh, doubtful period of my Catholicism, who helped lead me back to the church. She's very devout in her church. She's very active in her church, uh, rosary, uh, Bible studies, um, the whole nine yards. She has two elderly um, parents who both have Alzheimer's, one worse than the other, and they refuse to be separated. She's pretty much the sole caregiver, and she just blew me away today when she said she's doubting her 
faith. She's not even praying anymore because Chuck, she says, we we have two paths. We could take the path of saying, oh, yeah, there's a God, and at the end up still end up in heaven and not doing anything, or we can go through being a faithful Catholic in our church and the whole nine yards. She's saying, I, I just, she's lost, and I'm like dumbstruck on even what to say to this woman, and yeah. I just was looking for a little direction. I, 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 you know, I tried the best I could, you know, speaking right. with her, and I thought, well, let's, uh, maybe, let's... like, uh, Dragnet, the guy in Dragnet, you might... <laughs> <laughs> you're looking for you're looking for a one-liner, huh? Give her a one-liner that you just say to her, and she goes, "Oh, okay, I'm back into the church." <laughs> she, she's pretty much a sole caregiver, and she's definitely struggling. I just was blown away that she would ever confide in me and say something to that effect. All right, stay there. Don't leave me. I got to take a break. I'm looking at the clock. I I didn't look at the clock when I when I picked you up to okay, talk to you. I didn't fine. realize. Don't leave. I got to take a break. Thank you for joining me, folks. 60 on 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. In this commandment, God seeks to protect us from false claims to our worship and obedience. And there are, there's a great sad history of people who have trusted in gods other than him or things other than him and the ruin that it has caused. So God is trying to protect us and call us to an absolute trust and obedience of him. He asked us to trust him above all things and above all other people or so-called gods. We have to also avoid things like consulting horoscopes, palm reading, clairvoyance, recourse to mediums, any desire to try to control things apart from God. God simply says, trust me, I'm the Lord your God. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. How are we treating God? Are we treating him like a magic wand, a rabbit's foot, only going to him when we need something? The results if we don't stay in a relationship with God, and I know this from personal experience, much of the suffering that I had in my life has been brought on by my own stupid mistakes. We have to have God front and center of our life every day. As Father Michael Schmidt says, we're all called to be saints. We have to stand up and fight. We can't just grab God when we need something. He's not a slot machine. Putting coins in, then pulling the one-armed bandit and expecting to win a big prize. We have to have that relationship with God so we can truly do His will and be truly happy. So follow Him, not just once in a while, but every single moment. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern. On EWTN Radio. Yeah, I feel like I'm advertising one of those PBS movies, you know. Starring Clark Gable in this, at the time, cutting edge story about a man well into his years. Talking to Chuck from Shippenville, Pennsylvania. He recounts a dear friend who brought him to the faith. He's always seen her as a very devout, embracing of the church woman who's taken care now of 
her two parents, who both are in different stages of uh, dementia, probably Alzheimer's type, and she just confessed to Chuck recently that she is, well, according to Chuck, losing or has lost her faith. You still there, Chuck? I sure am, Doctor. All right. Sometimes what happens in a situation like this is she may be having a bit of an emotional crisis in the sense that she's watching her parents fade and she's thinking, why would God allow this to happen? Exactly. Oh, well, I like when people say that. Well, that's part of it. And, And so because of this, it's it's brought very close and personal suffering in life. And she probably sees her yeah. parents as having been very good people, and why would yeah. why would they go out like this? And why would God let this happen? This is just so unfair. Exactly. All right. Now, she's, she's told you that, I take it. Uh, verbatim, basically. But, I, okay. you know, I, I explained to her my belief of you know, the greater the suffering, the greater reward, too. And, and she says, I get all that, but she's still not buying it, I guess. Ask her this. So Ask her this. What is different now when you were totally convinced that this is the truth? And now you're not convinced it's the truth because you're facing a difficult circumstances. How, how is that? Explain that to me. Now, my guess would be, if she's going to give you some reason, she'll say, I never thought God would be like that kind of thing. Then I would ask her, I'd say, so are you saying then that because your parents in the latter stages of their lives are having uh, a brain illness, if you will, that that means there's no God? Is, is that what you're saying? Well, how did you decide there was before? The way she explained it to me, there's, if there's two paths, somebody that says, oh, yeah, there's a God, and, that, you know, but I, I'm not a churchgoer, I, I don't pray, I, you know, just like the, the man that, that Jesus forgave when they were on the cross. You know, he, he, he was allowed into heaven. So she's saying, there's that road, you know, that I could take or or being devout. And I, I guess, you know, she's saying, what difference is it making? Uh, uh, because, you know, that that's an argument I've heard a lot of people say. Hey, party it up, and then at the end say you're sorry. Um, I would ask her, are you saying that with that attitude that you can ignore God, and then at some point repent. Is that a repentant attitude? In other words, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to forsake trying to get closer to God and Christ uh, because, well, you know, uh, I'll take that other path, and it's it's a path that I'll, I'd rather take. I'd rather right now be mad at God, and then in the end I'll soften up. Ask her what she thinks that path will lead to because that's a path that'll probably lead away from God and what is to say and I'd ask her this I say what is to say that after all these years of ignoring God 
you will then be ready to say, okay, God, I'm ready to pay attention to you. I'm sorry now. What is to say that? I'd ask her that. But I'd also ask her, I'd also ask her, how is it that you one time believed this was the truth and now all those reasons no longer apply? Because, because, because why? You're, you're in a, a, a sorrowful situation? Because if that were the case, everybody should lose their faith. Everybody. My parents died. They were good people, but they died. I think they died kind of young. Well, wait a minute. What, what, what's with God here? What's he doing? Huh? We could all do that. I'm going to ask her that. So, so you're saying because you don't understand suffering, God doesn't exist? Or, or God exists, but you can ignore him. And then at the end, like, like the story is told of W.C. Fields, somebody said he, he was an atheist, I guess, and he was reading the Bible on his porch or something, and somebody said, what are you doing? He goes, looking for loopholes. <laughs> you know. So, Chuck, hopefully that'll give you a, a few thoughts to approach her. Um, certainly will. You're, you're welcome. Certainly will. My, you're awesome. welcome. Awesome. My friend. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Uh, Geraldine, and again, okay, I'll make another age age joke. Remember Flip Wilson with his character? He had a character named Geraldine. Hi, Geraldine. How are you, dear? Oh, hi, Dr. Ray. Do you, I'm you're, doing fine. Do, do you remember Flip I Wilson? I will tell you what I think about you because I don't want to ruin your humility award. <laughs> you, uh, Geraldine, excuse me. You can't. My humility is so locked in. That you can't ruin it. I'm so proud of how humble you are. Yes, very much so. (laughs) Now, you have have what is apparently an observation about relativity? Yes, you talked (laughs) about the chocolate bars and the number of calories in each. Yeah. And the correct answer to that question is they are all equal. And, and, And what is that based upon? Well, you know Einstein's famous equation, E equals MC squared. Yes. Do you know what, what you know what C stands for in, in MC squared? You know what the C is? Yes. How do you the know C these things? C squared is the speed of light squared. Right, what do you, wait a minute. Were you some kind of scientist or physicist or somebody? No, I'm just curious. I'm just one of these people that gets curious about stuff. The M stands for mass, and you That's put a right. one there for one kilogram. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, whether it's a kilogram of butter, a kilogram of celery, a kilogram of lead, a kilogram of water. They all have the equal, an equal amount of energy. You'll get it by squaring the speed of light, and you'll get it in joules, and you convert it to calories. I've forgotten the number. I worked it out one night here with my calculator. I'll tell you what, you sound more than somebody who's curious, Geraldine. You sound, the, the average person doesn't know this stuff. I flunked physics. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but I, I well, I, I never considered myself an average person, but I, uh, I'm just curious about stuff, and I got well, curious about that one. That's I good stuff. I'm going to have to. Hey. I'm going to have to look at E equals M C squared the next time I suck down a Reese's peanut butter cup. Thanks for joining me, everybody. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Walk with God. Uh, God has a lot more energy in For the information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.